0: Hey, I just want to jump out in front of the intro music to say Happy New Year to everybody. Happy 2014. I hope you're pumped about your plans, whether that's going from a million in sales to 10 million or whether that's uh, just freeing yourself up from some of your cash flows so you can uh, pursue projects that are more exciting to you or if you just want to spend more time with your family. In fact, that's why Ian won't be joining us this week. He's on vacation. I didn't manage to get him on the horn. While we were preparing an episode about niche selection, uh, sort of a hardcore business topic, I got to talk with my friend John about living in Asia. And we had this sort of casual conversation about it. I'm not sure how interesting it is, but for people that or thinking about becoming an expatriate, or who just got to Asia, certainly there must be something in there that you'll find interesting. And if you're interested in more business topics, we've recorded over 50 episodes in 2013. I'm going to list my top five favorite episodes at this blog post. So it's tropicalmba.com Asia. So you can check them out there. And also, if you have any questions about this episode or living in Asia in general, check us out at the blog, tropicalmba.com slash Asia. Yeah, buddy, happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical MBA podcast, another, I guess it's becoming a series now. Come over to Dan's apartment, bring me some Diet Coke, and let's record a podcast. Welcome, John Myers, to the show. Hi, how you doing? Good, man. So uh, what was going to be like an intro segment has just spawned into this super long conversation. So I think we should talk about how to be successful in Asia. Tropical MBA listener Ryan wrote me an email and he said, I think you guys should do an episode of how you decided to set up in Asia. Um, How did it impact your life? Were you scared? Was it the greatest decision you've ever made? You've been in Asia for 20 years now. I've been here since 2008. And so let's just dive into some of the issues. We have been accused of hype, of rose-colored Glasses, yeah, and so I think we should start in with. It's not all great. It's like you were saying, everything in life is a trade off, and we're very enthusiastic guys. I don't, I don't ever want to give the impression that if you come to Asia, like your life's just going to be better.
1: Right? Yeah, you have to have a purpose uh, prior to coming here, even. Let's talk Thing. about your
0: story. Why don't we tell the stories first of, of, how, of how and why you came here? Were you scared? Was it the greatest decision? And then we're going to get in the list of actually how to be successful.
1: I was a student 20 years ago. Man. And, uh, <laughs> that wow, sucks. that's crazy. I know. I'm old. Um, John
0: Myers from johnmyers.com, right, by the way, just to, yeah. just so everybody knows. So,
1: so I started this, this crazy journey 20 years ago uh, in Taipei, Taiwan. And back then it was a uh, pretty wild west, huge um, bit of motorbike culture there. And recently I returned after 20 years last November. And it reminds me a lot of, well, this Saigon now reminds me of the Taipei I knew 20 years ago. And so we're in Saigon in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, same thing. And so when I first landed in Ho Chi Minh, it just had that energy, that sort of manic energy that, you know, where I had started this whole journey.
0: Right. And so t- you hadn't been living in Asia the whole time. No, no. So I've been, I've lived in South America, New York, U.S., all over. So. And do you feel like you're going to go back and, and live in the U.S. anytime <clears throat> soon? Or, you know, or, or you're not Asia for life or anything like that?
1: I, you know, I don't know where I am for life at this point. You know, uh, I think we've been sort of spoiled because we're very lightweight and we have a really strong perspective on place and in and, and things. So I think that impacts our decision of, like, sort of, you know, where to be, you know, or when we're going to settle down. That's the big question. Mm -hmm. But Asia is a great place. I I love being in Asia because I feel like I'm somewhere where there's an upward trajectory. So, you know, there's just so much energy here happening. Uh, Here in Vietnam, 70% of the population is under the age of 30. Right. So that's that's an incredible opportunity to, you know, in terms of just creating things, tapping into that local talent. And leveraging that talent to market outward to the world can be a powerful thing for your business.
0: So I first came to Asia in 2001, and I've been living here since 2008. Vietnam was the first place I came to. Something about Vietnam is deeply attractive to me. You know, the culture, the way that they're organizing the country, the massive growth you see. I, I can't help, and I think this is very personality-driven, when I'm back in Pennsylvania visiting my family, I can't help but to tap my foot a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do feel I miss the energy, and it is overwhelming at times yeah. too. So it's like it's a trade off. Yeah, like I, I'm a little bit bored when I'm back home, but I marvel at how clean and efficient everything is. Yeah. but I, I miss the craziness. I miss that every storefront changes every two days, and that that the young people there are trying to make big moves in their life and. Yeah. And, and that no one is quite certain about, you know, there's a lot of attitudes back home where people say crazy things like, yeah, if you invest in that house, it's going <laughs> to definitely double in 10 years. <laughs> and I'm thinking like no Vietnamese kid would ever say that because they've lived through the last 10 years, which have been tumultuous, like it's been crazy amount of change. Yeah. Whereas in more developed countries, we sort of feel like, oh, yeah, I know how this is going to go. And that's not my attitude. I f- I'm excited about things changing.
1: Yeah, so that's one of the trade-offs, right? So that's good and bad. So again, depending on your, you know, your personality type, uh, that's going to dictate what's good for you and what's not.
0: Right. right. So what are the downsides? Let's talk about the people who don't like living here. You yeah. know, who are the people that should stay away? Is it really a bootstrapper's paradise? um depends on who you
1: are so some of the negative things pollution there's definitely uh, issues with pollution and all throughout asia w- all throughout asia traffic traffic uh, can be horrendous so you know so some people come to saigon in particular and they look at the motorbike traffic and and i was The same way when I first got here, I'm like, oh, my God, how can anyone (laughs) move through that insanity? But you know what? I I find it calming. And in the last two years since I've been parked in and out of Ho Chi Minh City, I've seen maybe
0: one accident.
1: So somewhere it's working. It's this self-organizing chaos that works. Some people were turned off by that.
0: Right. You were saying that gyms and like high-end, like classic things that maybe people in the upper middle classes in the United States would enjoy. Yeah. Like here's access to my virgin coconut olive oil blend yeah. that I don't know. Are those things? Yeah. So I, I, I don't have a lot of taste. Like that. I feel like I can get access to most things. I don't know. What do you yeah,
1: think? I guess like, yeah. So for example, like, you know, um, there's no whole foods in Ho Chi Minh <laughs> City. So, you know, if, if you're sort of like a whole foods type and you're looking for that, that's not going to happen. There is great produce there is great access to to those types of foods. You're really going to have to work for it. You're going right. to have to understand how to navigate a market and invest that time in it. You're not going to be able to go to say a Whole Foods where that's well organized. The gyms, you know, the gyms you have super high end, uh, you know, so it's going to cost you 160 to 250 bucks a month. Right. For like a proper gym, that's just what it is. Or you can go to a prison-style gym for you know ten bucks a month. If you know? that.
0: If that. I bought a membership to the track down here. It's a yeah. dollar fifty a month. Yeah. Because and it's a public track, and I can play basketball there. I can you know, oh, use yeah. the facilities. and yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, and we do have like great basketball games there, so that's one of the upsides. So you can't exercise, but you know, again, see, we're already just
0: going to the upside. You know? <laughs> I gotta get negative. We're so out. I How I do get, we stay <laughs> negative? How do I stay negative? Well, let's do this. Let Let's talk about. Uh, Some of the things we we talked about uh, lifestyle optimization. You know, my counter to the whole thing about the produce is, well, why won't you hire a maid uh, like a lot of our friends have and train them? to cook the kind of food the fresh food that you enjoy that's not a big investment and that'll uh, pay you back over the course of a year or,
1: or on that you know to counter that to make that even simpler so we have something called vietnam mm, it's VietnamMMM.com, mm-hmm. and there's a canadian bodybuilder on there that prepares fresh meals and they're delivered to your door in 30 minutes and yeah. it's five bucks yeah and they're like healthy meals prepared by a bodybuilder that's <laughs> killer. There's no way I could get that back in New York.
0: So we're talking about lifestyle optimization. These are some of the, the positive things. I think people, uh, maybe people don't all recognize the positive things either. Like, why would you move halfway around the world? The number two point we have is leveraging local talent. Yeah. Obviously, not only with the expats, there's a new talent scene coming there, yeah. but also the local people are, are going nuts, right? Yeah,
1: well, and uh, one of the things, there's a, there was a really interesting article on Hacker News, maybe we can find it to link to it, sure. um, where, you know, computer science education starts in kindergarten in Vietnam. And so you have all these kids that have came up through the ranks that are now, you know, part of the pool of programming talent that's available Uh, To work with. And so that's a great opportunity to leverage that talent again to work on a software product, uh, build it here, and then market it out to the world.
0: You said that the region, Southeast Asia in particular, feels like a startup. Yeah. And and for as much as I love Hong Kong, I don't think I could quite live there. You know, I'm not sure I want to hang out with the guy or the gal who identifies with being a vice president of financial whatever at HSBC. It's just, It's too fixed. It's too capital intensive to get involved in anything. It's too figured out.
1: Yeah, the script is already written for that particular city and those types of places. And and there's a certain script and path and narrative that folks follow, typically, or you're You know, born into something like that in a place like that. A place like Saigon, even, you know, people going to Chiang Mai or these places, you know, it feels like a startup. Yeah. Everybody's hustling around you. Everybody's kind of working on
0: something. People are in building mode, building stuff. Number four, connectivity to other cities. This is something that uh, I'm not sure we've really talked about so cleanly. I mean, when I lived in San Diego, if I wanted to do a weekender in New York or Denver Or uh, Austin or San Francisco say one or two weekends a month Mm -hmm. already some people are probably listening to this thinking that's nuts That's crazy like you wouldn't really do that unless you're into a class of people that I didn't really roll with Yeah, I mean you're talking like you have to have some serious loot and some serious flexibility to get that done Whereas here it seems like the norm yeah, that's the connectivity quite of the norm. I was just in Shanghai last weekend. I was just in Hong Kong last weekend. Part of it is the incredible cost of travel. Yeah, We're talking about a hundred dollar plane tickets and thirty dollar hotels. Even in Hong Kong, you can find thirty dollar hotels. Yeah, yep, yeah, you
1: can. And and just you know, recently last this last year, I've spent time in Bangkok, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Taipei. You name it. You name it. And the cost of traveling like that is is negligible. And also the benefit of connecting to other that's folks it. in the cities are is the fact incredible. that you can go to a
0: bar camp in Jakarta next weekend and, and and that's the thing is like when you go to Jakarta the kind of connections you make are much different than if you're in San Diego going to Denver yeah it's you're actually going to an enti- like the you know Jakarta is the masthead of a 225 million person country yeah and so to be to meet the leadership the thought leaders and that and then just to pop back to where you're at yeah. i've found an incredible amount of benefit in my life to being able to go to like the capital of the philippines the capital of indonesia to go to hong kong to set up a company yeah. to go to china to go to the canton fair There's just a lot more of that kind of ecosystem that seems to be happening.
1: Yeah, and one of the things I like, I love the accessibility to China without having to live in China. Right. (laughs) So, for example, you know, it's... That's been
0: huge for us, too, with the the factory relationships.
1: Yeah, and I don't... So, you know, like, we talked about this before. So, you know, if you're living in China, you're all in. That's your thing. And you're not there for the lifestyle. You're there for the opportunity. Right. And the opportunity is massive. So, you know, the folks I'm been able to connect with in shanghai over the last year that's been an incredible opportunity for me and my business and i can keep continue to you know nurture that relationship by easily traveling in and out of there i don't have to live there
0: fifth point we have on the positive side is the lifestyle and you can go anywhere you want with this but one of the things that we identified was the nobody has a job lifestyle yeah i suppose there are pockets of this i mean i I've sort of run in New York City with the creative crowd and stuff, but there's something different about the fact that just flat nobody has a job. And even local people that you roll with, you're you're probably rolling with the entrepreneurial class or you're rolling with somebody who's going to change their job in six months. And that's very common here in Asia, whereas people back home don't quite talk like that. They don't quite seem to have the flexibility like, oh, yeah, I'm going to scrap this job and grab another one in six months. Yeah.
1: I think that the lifestyle like that, yeah, nobody has really a job. But, you know, everybody's working on a business. So there's just such an entrepreneurial energy here. Yes. That people... Some of my
0: friends were surprised at how hard people work. Yeah. So we talk. now let's talk about the negative side. Yeah. I've had friends from New York City, who they hear me talk about the entrepreneurial thing. And then they come here and see it in real life. And they're like, you guys are all working all the time. What's the deal? <laughs> well, I'm like, we're... we're We're building assets. This is exciting. This is a project. This is fun stuff. And plus, I mean, it's really easy not to see the fact that, well, two weeks from now, no one's going to work that week because they're all going to go to Singapore for a week or whatever.
1: Well, I also think, too, like it's a mindset shift. So, you know, when you're in a place like this, you know, when when I'm back in New York, we typically talk about basketball. I love basketball, and that's fun. Yeah. You know, but... When we're here, we talk sport. You know, our our sport is business. It's yeah. enjoyable, so you're immersed in that, and it just becomes part of the lifestyle. And I, I don't see that as a negative, but
0: I could see how people would process that as a negative. So let's talk about success tips in Asia. You know, the another negative downside of Asia is you see a lot of people come here and they spin out. Yeah, they they don't make it happen, or maybe they don't like it, and that's less of a tragedy. Yeah, but what we want to do is we want to Help to define a script. And this is one that's emerging. I mean, it was classic that 20 years ago, the people that moved to Asia were the people that had a fixed retirement budget Mm -hmm. and then they spend it out until they die. Well, Whereas now people are coming here and they're building successful careers. And, and this is very different from the script of the people who come here to enjoy Thailand's beaches for a few years and do some programming. We're not talking about that. Yeah. I'm talking about moving to Asia and becoming massively wealthy be, in part because you did so. Yeah. Of course, China has a pretty solid script of that over the last decade. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing now is it's happening with the digital nomads that are sort of leveraging the region. Yeah. So let's talk about what's working. Success tip number one. Mm-hmm this is the commandment number one, thou shalt not do local business. (laughs) Now, break this commandment at your own. uh, Now, I love the supply side here. Manage the supply side. So whether that's having a great relationship with your factory and your QC team, or whether that's hiring the virtual assistants and getting your marketing team set up or your development squad. But don't open a cafe. Don't open a restaurant. Don't try to do a copy startup that sells to people in Vietnam or into Singapore. Yeah. don't think that you're clever and you're gonna take Groupon and you're gonna do it for Vietnam. Oh, please man. don't do this. Yeah, please do everybody a favor and not do that. <laughs> Good God yeah,
1: that's a disaster. And I, well I, I think if you just think of like basic business fundamentals, you know, unless you're a native speaker, why in the world would you build a product for an addressable market of 60 million to 90 million people? It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. And and then when you really break, break down the sort of geography of these regions, you're talking about a city of 8 million people. You know, maybe 10 to 20 percent even have the income to participate in whatever it is you're creating.
0: And it gets tempting. I'll tell you why. Because... It, you tend to underestimate the inherent intelligence of a place. You mentioned Ooh. it earlier about the motorbikes. You look at all the crazy motorbikes, and you're like, that's effed. Yeah. But really, there's a lot of years and years of kind of networked intelligence that makes that work. Yeah. Same thing, you'll you'll come here as an expat, and you'll be like, man, these menus all have crappy English or whatever. Yeah. I could start a service. What if? How much more money could I make all these hotels if I did copywriting for them? Yeah. Well, the truth is, is that if it made them all that much money, they might have already invested in it. You yeah. don't know. It's like the salesman who went to Africa and said, great news, nobody wears shoes. Yeah. Or, or, you, <laughs> yeah. or it could be awful news. You don't know. The point is, is don't bother figuring it out. Yeah. Like that's not your role. It's
1: not your role. And and I would just say this, it all comes back to the basic business fundamental of defining your defensible position. So one of the beauties of being in Asia is that there is this copy culture, you know, and and this is kind of, you know going by the wayside in some regards like korea used to be like that to a certain extent and you know somewhat is but it's really innovation driven though know? yeah and so
0: th- this i think gangnam style was an incredible innovation yeah I, mean, <laughs> yeah I mean look at the k-pop revolution look at you know like which was uh, a conscious one by the way yeah. this is government policy incredible. killer and so only yeah, in asia right yeah only in asia man and so
1: <laughs> you know but what's so cool is like it forces you to think in such a defensive manner about your business by just being here and observing that, that, you know, it really makes you drill into the soul of your business. Great opportunity.
0: Number two, you need a purpose, a mission and a vision. So one of the things I always say is like location independent doesn't mean location arbitrary. Like when I moved here to Vietnam, yes, I like Pha and I like... Yeah. Uh, I love Vietnamese culture, but I had a factory here, and I was visiting yeah. my Chinese factories, and and I don't want to, you know, I love the idea. Like it's okay, you climbed Mount Everest or you went to Machu Picchu, or whatever. That's not my thing. Yeah. Like I'm growing a business. Like I'm here for a reason. It's happening right now in Vietnam. I want to meet all you guys. I want to hang out and see what's going on. Yeah, I, I always marry where I am to the project mm-hmm. at hand. Number three. Must have an insatiable curiosity for where you're going. This one's tricky because this might be where we go wrong. Mm-hmm. Because we say, oh, yeah, Asia, it's amazing. You can have a maid, you can spend half the money. Yeah. You know, one thing that's very true, now I'm just refuting myself all over really, lifestyle overhead is like zero. I mean, we do nothing. Now, I mean, no cooking, no cleaning, no bike fixes, no auto, no nothing. We Everything is taken care of. That said, you put up with a lot of inconveniences living in a developing country. There's a lot of BS. There, there can be. There's trade-offs. Yeah. So trade-offs. again, getting back to that, that idea of trade-offs, you know, but um, yeah. But, but my point here is that when we frame this up as a pure utility play, and then you come here and you're like, oh yeah, well, my business is going to be better. I'm going to spend less money, all this kind of stuff. And you're not really interested in what's going on there and you're just looking at it as a tool, that doesn't seem to work, right? I mean- No, you'll get played like the tool. So you yeah, know, so. <laughs> and we misrepresent ourselves because the, the truth is is that we love this place and we love these places that we live in and, and Bali and the Philippines, to me, they're endlessly fascinating places. My, my virtual bookshelves are stacked with books about these places. Yeah. To me, that's the inspirational part is seeing things well, you gotta that are get out, exciting to me.
1: You gotta get out and ask what's going on and why. And so if you're constantly asking those questions, you know, what's going on here? Why is it going on? And
0: you're forced certain people. This is a personality type thing because I've noticed a a distinction. I see those things and they they don't wear me out. They make me excited and creative. And I run home and I write an article called, you know, how to live in Asia or whatever. It excites me. Whereas a lot of people go out and say, you know, I was just here for the maid. And for the cheaper bootstrapping costs and all this stuff's really exhausting to me, you know, having to communicate weird and there's no Whole Foods and like there's a lot of pollution. And, you know, they just, you know, so if people aren't really into Vietnamese culture and there's not a draw there, you shouldn't live in Vietnam. This seems like an obvious point, but this is probably where our community goes a little bit wrong sometimes is, is that we look at these places as purely a tool, purely a, a platform. And, well, nothing's perfect, you're and better locking yourself
1: up in Detroit <laughs> and just staying in your house and... and right, because you can live
0: cheap in Detroit, too.
1: You could probably live for the same cost in Detroit as you could as Ho.
0: Number four here, get connected and get inspired. You're leaving it on the table if you don't come here and you don't jump right into a community of people doing the same thing. And it's easier here than maybe anywhere in the world, right? Yeah,
1: so we use this metaphor a lot, which is we talk about you know Ho Chi Minh City in particular... Being what Paris was to riders in the 1920s. Right. So we talk about this idea a lot of, you know, you're going to look back on this city, you know, 20 years from now, and you might say, wow, that's where all the entrepreneurs were. There was this
0: movement that was happening there, and, and I was people, part of it. People might think that that's a little bit grandiose, but, but maybe consider this. You could be wrong. About that, that's right. But the cool thing is, is that the story hasn't been written yet. So you're writing it. In fact, you really had an explosively popular piece on Medium this year yeah. that tried to create this narrative. And if the narrative's already created, like the Silicon Valley narrative or the Paris narrative, you can't go back and get that. You cannot go back to Paris now. And, heaven forbid, get an apartment anywhere close to those nice cafes. <laughs> you just can't do it. The story's yeah. been written. So it, you know, we could be dead wrong about that, but we feel it. And as entrepreneurs, I think we'd rather have the opportunity to write the script than, I mean, and you know, this is different for everybody. From my perspective, as a relatively poor entrepreneur, right? Like I didn't start with a bunch of money, a bunch of tech savvy or skills that if I go to Silicon Valley, I'm lucky to be a project manager at dictionary.com or whatever. People just aren't. I just don't have that kind so of So that's maybe a
1: great point, which is, you know, one of the reasons for being here is to expand the scope of your opportunities that are available. Exactly. So that's a big point.
0: Yeah, I remember I was walking down the street. Uh, you know, I don't know if I told this story before, but uh, I like shook, shook a guy's hand. I was at a, a resort and my friend was like, uh, that was a billionaire. And then I shook another guy's hand and he leans over and was like, that was the vice president. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, like, I didn't hang out with the vice president. But the point is, is that there's that access that we talk about all yeah. the time. You've got, well, you said yourself, when you were in New York City, successful startup guy, much less likely to spend time with new friends than... There's something about Well, yeah, that.
1: you're just more judicious about your time. You're not as accessible. And It's that's expensive.
0: Most- New York City, Silicon Valley, they're expensive <clears throat> time places to be. Yeah. Expats tend to have a lot of extra time.
1: Yeah, you have a lot of extra time. But I, I think the one thing that, you know, getting back to purpose, I think that's such a big point, which is, you know, you're basically buying yourself a lot more time by coming here. And that's a big investment. You know, if, you, if you're putting a price on your time. There's, and you're bootstrapping. I can't think of any better place to be. If your time's worth money, this is a great place to optimize.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I would think of it this way. So I'm hardcore. For every $15,000 that you have, that's a year. Yeah. That's a year. Yeah. And... If you have any kind of cash flow prospects or any kind of confidence in your ability to cut a deal, Jesse Lawler last week on this program said he could get $3,000 in recurring income in 24 hours. I know you could yeah. <laughs> you could do that easily. If you can build up that skill set in six months, then why couldn't you? Yeah. Then this is a very feasible place. As long as, you know, you've got to have that grit and that long-term view that I'm going to hang for 24 months and I'm going to make it happen and I'm not going to demand that everything was the same as it was back home and that everything, you know what I mean? You well, got to have some grit.
1: Yeah, well, but I will say, so as an example, right? So I've been traveling and I just returned to Saigon uh, a couple weeks ago and I needed to, to basically set up my life. You know how long it took me to set up my life here? About five or six hours. That's it. So I had a motorbike
0: And delivery. you compared that with, with the prospect of moving to New York City where it might take you a month to oh. find You might be sleeping on a friend's couch for a month.
1: For a month. So, you know, I showed up and a a motorbike was delivered within an hour. Uh, I knew someone. I secured a furnished apartment that's designed in Japanese style. It's awesome. The electricity is already on. Internet's up and running. Housekeeping is instructed on how to maintain the place. It's just set up and I unpacked and I'm ready to go. And no broker's fees, no BS.
0: Point number five, you must be mindful and patient and have a, an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. Oh, I like
1: that. Okay.
0: So, so yeah. you're going to be frustrated by a lot of things. And I guess you get to kind of decide what you're going to get involved in. Yeah. You know, if you're going to get obsessed about the fact that you can't get your precise consumer good or if, <laughs> or if, if the traffic gets you or whatever, like you're gonna, that's where your mind space is going to be. And you're not going to appreciate maybe the opportunity. You'll break down. You if can. you're
1: obsessed with that, you'll have a breakdown. You could that's easily like
0: get it. lonely. Yeah. To be honest, John, I'll, I'll get a little emotional on the show. There's something kind of absurd and otherworldly about doing this. You feel like you're not part of a script that's solid and mm-hmm. sort of corroborated by society in general. Mm-hmm. And that feels good to me. It feels good to me that it's weird and crazy. And that's my personality. Like I like walking down a street in Manila and looking around and being like, what the heck am i doing here isn't this crazy like that's that feels exciting to me rather than the comfort of knowing that i'm on the right track well well, (laughs) and and i think you know to get back to mindfulness right
1: you're a foreigner in a strange land and so you want to be able to connect with people on a human level and so it's really important to practice have a gratitude practice to appreciate everything And, and i think when you put yourself in that headspace the, the negativity that you're going to run into, the friction, all these things, that kind of like eases that to me, you know, because your your mind is in the right headspace. And so, you know, when you are taking advantage of these opportunities here, just having that
0: right headspace gets you, I think, where you need to be. So finally, how to be successful in Asia. This, so we've talked a lot of the lifestyle and mindset things. Tactically, the biggest mistake that I see happening is people not understanding how fluid deal-making is here mm-hmm. and how much you're in charge of that in terms of how things go. Because what we're talking about here is basically blank canvas. And I think that a lot of people aren't used to blank canvas. If you mm-hmm. want something to go down, you have to define it and get people in on that deal. There is an incredible amount of opportunity I see here that, that, that people, you know, people aspiring to become mm-hmm. location-independent entrepreneurs, they squander yeah and they 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 run into a wall six months in a year in, and they end up going home where the deal making structure is more defined in other words they're they 're used to being told what to do yeah or opting into something look you know if If you want a great basketball tournament to happen in Asia, you just got to go out and make that deal happen, which I recently did it 's a small example, but I think it 's instructive in the sense that when when I came here, I knew on the one hand that I wanted to grow a successful business, yeah but on the other hand. I didn't really know how to do that. Like there wasn't a manual on how to travel around to all these crazy cities that we're talking about and grow a successful business. You're just not going to find it. And you have to be comfortable with that. You have to be comfortable with blank canvas and palette of paints because that's all you got.
1: Well, and I think you have to be the engineer of your own serendipity.
0: And that's anywhere. It doesn't matter where you're at,
1: right? So you need to basically create situations Learn how to make deals in a way that's totally serendipitous, so the opportunities are flying at your face just at rapid speed here, just because you're connecting to people you're doing things that uh, you're everybody's you know open because they're all in a new place, yeah, and so you know you by engineering this serendipity and seizing upon that it can be huge so
0: I know that we've just dropped a lot of this is like the fish episode it's just <laughs> drop a pill and jam out man well there's a lot of riffage going on but yeah. john and myself will be in the comments if you have any questions about asia about how you can you turn your frown upside down how you can might might be useful to you or not check it out at tropicalmba.com/ Asia, we're happy to help. Yeah, and I
1: would suggest, you know, just head into the comments, right? Just ask us questions. I'd be happy to answer anything.
0: All right, everybody. com slash Asia. It's John Myers from JohnMyers.com. Thank you so much for joining us on Tropical MBA Podcast. We'll see you guys next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.